Hey, it's Mark Kinsley with the Dos Marcos Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm going to play you a little snippet from a live podcast we just did as part of Furniture Today's betting conference. We were speakered featured speakered features. We were featured speakers. We did drink tequila during the show, so maybe there's still some of that in my system. Uh, but Quinn and I made a huge announcement, and that announcement really maps back to Nationwide's primetime event last February. Of course, for those of you who listen to the show, you know that's where we gave a big speech about driving foot traffic, and we had everybody that was there for the speech write down an idea that actually drove foot traffic to their store, and that idea, that little mustard seed, has grown into something bigger. The retailers in that room taught us so much postcards, and we said, tell us what are your best uh, traffic generating ideas? So we collected all those. So all of those examples are in, in the book that we're coming out with. We can't tell you the name of it yet. Um, but this you just is the, made the big announcement. That's oh, it. We're writing. Did it, oh, <laughs> we're writing a book. No, we're, we're not writing, writing a book. book. The book is done, and it's going to drop you. in the fall. And here's what we need. Quinn to do. making the announcement without knowing he's making the announcement, which I love. But you can get your copy of the book. And here's the thing: the first 100 orders are going to get Dos Indestructible Dos Marcos tequila shot glasses. Of course, tequila is the official beverage of the Dos Marcos podcast. But you have to go to mattresspodcast.com forward slash book and get on that list because our subscribers are going to be the first to know when the book drops and only the first 100 get two indestructible Dos Marcos tequila shot glasses, which are super duper fun. So thank you to Nationwide and thank you to the members there that have contributed to this book. That is where this idea started and we're so excited that it's going to come to life. And another thing that's you're going to see if you're a Nationwide member and you're seeing at many mattress retail stores these days is something called Podium. And the thing is, Podium, you may not actually see Podium unless you're uh, manning one of the stations or texting with customers. That's because Podium is the ultimate messaging platform. And we had a chance to talk with Dr. V, Dr. V himself of Muskelly Furniture in Central Mississippi about his experience and his team's experience using Podium. And here's the deal. If you go to podium.com forward slash dose, so podium.com forward slash dose, you can actually get 10% off and there's even a free trial. So podium.com forward slash dose, but you got to hear Dr. V's experience first. We were in a situation where the only reviews that we actually had were those that people put on Google uh, when they were unhappy with us. So we started out like with a 1.8 kind of review for Miss Kelly Furniture because the only reviews we had were really bad. Uh, and so as we discovered that the online reputation was going to be so important, we decided that we needed to actually get more reviews. And the exciting thing is, uh, since our partnership with Podium, we are currently, if you go to Google right now, we're at 4.7 is our current uh, rating, which is huge with thousands of reviews. And so that has made a tremendous impact as people be, look to have reviews more and more uh, an immediate aspect of uh, working with customers on the reviews. And it's great because we get a lot of five-star reviews. Uh, here's one. Gabby was so awesome. She went above and beyond her job to help me. I will always remember her for helping me to get my dream bed. And the cool thing is Dr. V and his team actually post those reviews internally on these communication boards to create culture because you either create culture or you tolerate it according to the folks at Muskelly and I totally agree with that. Now coming up here in the next couple of weeks, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go to your app, subscribe, go to mattresspodcast.com. Make sure you're on our email newsletter because we're going to hear from Dr. V 
about one-star reviews, why those are important, and what the company does with those. They've turned those bad reviews into meaningful insights that have a huge impact on your business, and it's really unexpected. And thanks to Podium and that partnership, they have that perspective, they have that insight, and they can put it into action and fix problems as they pop up. Check it all out. Like I said, podium.com forward slash dose, and you're going to get your 10% off. Dose Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So, Kinsley, um, big day today. We have the guys from Nectar on the show. But before we start, I have to tell you, like, my first experience of understanding anything about Nectar. And so, Ben, with the Sleep Sherpa, right, out of um, yep. Minneapolis, I was doing some business there. And at the time, we had Hero Bed. And so, I knew about Ben. And so, I ended up uh, going into yet a showroom there. And I go in and I talk to Ben. and had a great conversation with Ben, had a lot of fun. <clears throat> Excuse me, everyone. And then he launches into this whole discussion about Nectar. And Nectar was so new at the time. I'm like, who's Nectar? And so anyway, he hits me with these commercials. And I'm like, these guys are crazy. And so really good creative stuff. Um, and they're entering the market after you know the big first wave of e-commerce guys had hit. And uh, anyway, I'm like, well, you know what? Their creative is strong. I really like it. But to barrel through this crowded space at the moment, it's going to take something special. Uh, but Eric and Ron have clearly done that. And I'm fired up because today we get to the bottom of that story. And uh, anyway, welcome, guys, to the Dos Marcos podcast. We're really excited to be here. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Well, guys, you've officially made it. I mean... You've been in the industry for a while now, and you're on the Galaxy's Greatest Mattress Industry Podcast. So how do you feel? I mean, don't, and don't go all at once. They're probably nervous, so just give them a minute. I'm a little, little, little nervous. Stage fright. Um, no, I mean, we, we feel I mean, a, a really blessed. We, you know, we have a, an amazing team. You know, we've, we've been doing this for about four years now, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it's great to see the receptivity we've had. Um, through our, our retail partners, but you know, the, I think the growth that we've been able to achieve really articulates kind of from the consumer perspective a fundamental change with how consumers are shopping. And you know, what we set out to do is really engage consumers with great products and a great buying experience. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, part of what we've been able to see is, is the proof points behind that. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, Eric. I think I think what they're really referring to is being on their show, but we're also proud of the growth as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. when Quinn dodges a question, I usually hop in and answer it. So you guys yes. work in a very similar fashion. Yeah, <laughs> I see yeah. this. You know, well, if one of you, would, guys, if one of you would really change excited. your name to Eric, you could be the Eric's, but that's just a thought. The Eric. <laughs> it could be the Ron. I like it. Kinsey, go ahead. You guys, we're, we're happy to have you here. You have a great, you do have a great growth story. In this industry, we saw a really hot and heavy push into D2C e-commerce mattress sales. And 
whenever you look at early movers advantages and just case study after case study on those dynamics in the marketplace, you saw some of those emerging brands really make a big push. And you think to yourself, if you're kind of paying attention to business in, in different categories, how does anybody else really enter this marketplace and have success? So what, take us into that. Like Quinn loves, we both love the How I Built This podcast. We could turn this into an episode of How I Built This because you guys have a, a really, you know, a great company and resident home. And But people in the mattress industry, of course, I think know the Nectar brand. You're pushing the Nectar brand into retail. We speak to a lot of independent retailers out there. So we want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of what was your thought process, first of all, for attacking this market how did you go about it? How did you put a moat around your business, make it defensible? Give us some of that texture from early on. Yeah, so I, I jumped the gun uh, in, in my first statement, but it, it was it, go back four or five years. It was a really exciting time, and I think in this category and and this anchor of fundamentally the way consumers were shopping is changing, and so we we saw some of the changes that were happening in the D to C, and so what we felt to do was create a strategy that allow us to better engage consumers through that user journey. And I think there's a couple components of it. One is if we could quantify and really understand how the consumer was shopping, what information that they were looking for, and then engage consumers across those touch points, both on and online and offline, we could create a better relationship. And then we coupled that with an overinvestment in products. So, you know, whether it be the Nectar mattress or, or the Dream Cloud mattress, you know, we wanted to deliver a phenomenal sleep experience associated with that. And we said, if we can do those two things, we think there's just a massive opportunity here. But, Eric, on the, but on that point, you're entering a market, though, <clears throat> where arguably there were a lot of people doing that already. So yeah. what is it that you felt like gave you such a strong hand coming into an already very competitive market? Yeah, so it, I think in the, the year we launched, there was 105 other bed in the box competitors that launched. And so we kind of the, the foundation of technology and really understanding that user journey was something that we didn't see the other players really addressing. Um, and you know, the other really interesting thing about this category is it's massive, you know, $16.5 billion in the United States. There's plenty of opportunity for everybody to be successful. And if you look at the other kind of key D2C players, they had distinct strategies. So you had Purple that has you know, really kind of unique technology that they deployed. And on the other end, you had, you know, at the time, Tuft & Needle that was really going after the kind of Amazon marketplace. And what we wanted to do is really have kind of a full breadth approach and you know, engage consumers through all the digital touch points, but also ultimately have a really strong omni-channel approach where we partner with retails and are able to have a kind of national footprint very quickly through that partnership strategy. I mean, the other thing I'd also add here is that um, as an entrepreneur, you have to be somewhat naive and ignorant for that matter. I think that, I mean, to your point, Mark, like what, what made you guys think that you guys could go into space and actually do better? It's, I mean, be, be, be naive, be uh, courageous and just say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go try it. And uh, worst, worst coast to worst is we'll be successful. But uh, I, think, I think in general, uh, as an entrepreneur, you, you do have to kind of put all those fears aside of what, why are other people going to be uh, better than me? I think, I think you just have to say, hey, how, how am I going to be better than everybody else? And that's essentially what we did. Uh, the, the other thing, I think um, I'll speak on behalf of Eric a little bit here. Um, 
So Eric's previous company to this was one of the pioneers of the whole D2C space. It wasn't in the mattress space. It was in the, um, I guess, hair, hair, hair care, hair coloring space, more in the beauty space. Um, and the, the, the stuff that he was able to build there was kind of one of the reasons why I got excited about this whole opportunity where he, he was, I think Eric was one of the first people to really understand how to find users online, um, what, their, what their user journey is. I'm kind of speaking on his behalf. He should probably speak on this more, but um, I think we kind of use a lot of the learnings there to, for, for what we're doing now. It's always good to have a spokesperson. Mm. So Eric, go, go further on that though, because I mean, can yeah. you tell us a little bit? Cause that was a big brand you were with Madison. Oh, let me Madison look Reed. Madison Reed. Uh, for most people, um, you are watching this. You probably have heard of Madison Reed, but so um, what, what, what didn't apply? So you kind of went into it going, Oh, well, you know, we did it there. We should be able to do it here. So what was, if you can, maybe like what was similar with that whole experience and maybe what was, wow, well, didn't see that coming. That was nothing like what we expected. Yeah. So your Mass and Reed was kind of first generation, what became known as digitally native brands. And the idea there really, and I think what is very transferable is the notion that you know, a, a product experience and how the consumer shops needs to be in, in, intertwined. And historically, you know, you have a product and you have a channel and it's just communicating a value proposition. So what we did there was just, we completely reinvented the buying experience and how we engage with consumers. And that's very relevant here. And I think the big difference is you know, there we are selling uh, you know, a $25 um, box of women's hair coloring and, it, and, and here we're selling a $1,000 purchase. This is one of the biggest purchases that a consumer made, makes. Uh, consumers solving not only a comfort-related issue, but also a health-related issue. And so it's a very complex user journey. The user, the user needs to build confidence. Needs, and, and also, it's a product that consumer only buys once every eight years. So if the consumer doesn't know what the consumer doesn't know, so they're going through this user journey to, to really understand what do they need and ultimately what product's going to work best for them. And this is where you know, one of the big learnings for us is I think we do a very good job at that online in terms of engaging the consumer, helping to engage, to, to educate the consumer. But I think the, 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 other, the other kind of leg of that stool with this industry that's just really powerful is kind of the offline partnerships. And you, know, you have a sleep professional, an RSA, who's able to then take that last mile and really help the consumer feel confident with that ultimate decision and, all, and, and solve that problem. So that last piece where, you know, at Madison Reed, we had a really strong omni-channel execution um, here on your channel, I think takes on a whole new flavor where you're really engaging that consumer at that last mile in a way that that ultimately helps them solve that that health comfort related issue that they have. Give us some of your take us into some of the creative execution over the years. You've had some yeah, cool campaigns that I think people would be aware of, or they might it might trigger some memories. Talk about how those came up. Some of your favorites. Tell those stories. Yeah. Yeah. So. Go ahead, Ron. You take yeah, it. I mean, so, so I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about our uh, Make America Sleep Again YouTube campaign, which a lot of people are familiar with. I, I, I lost count of how many views that thing has gotten lately, but I think we're well over uh, 10 or 15 million views. Um, so that was uh, an interesting campaign that we did with uh, our partners at Google, where they, they mentioned that, hey, we have um, a couple of writers that are actually based in Israel. These guys are crazy. Uh, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna love working with them. 
Um, and so we, we started, we, we started the conversation and what we wanted to make sure is that, Hey guys, we want it to be funny. We want it to be, um, I'm not going to say outrageous, but we wanted to be it to be memorable, but we also wanted to make sure that all the key points of our mattresses were going to be mentioned in the video. And so it proceeded with these guys pretty much, uh, coming up with ideas that I don't think I'm pretty, I guarantee they would have put us in jail. The initial ideas were completely outrageous and out there. And so we had to definitely tone it back uh, one after the other after the other. The other interesting thing that we did there was uh, the character, the, um, the actor Jason. He, he's uh, just a regular actor based, at, based in New York. And we really liked his energy and his vibe and stuff like that. And so we, we essentially we hired him based off the just video. We, we hadn't seen him in person. And I think I think the um, I think most of the comments around uh, on our YouTube video is who's who's that actor? When when can I meet him? Does he come with a mattress, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and then in combination with the different brains that the that the writers and the creative team came up with, I think I think we did a really good job there of making uh, doing something that was it was supposed to be silly, but it was also supposed to get the message across. And what we've seen is those types of creatives work extremely well. Going back even in time, what were some of the earliest ideas you saw traction around? And maybe let's start with the creative and then you can even get into maybe some of the technical side because I'm sure you were pulling a lot of levers, punching a lot of buttons, lots of testing right. and trying to figure out what worked. But, you know, and I know it's a combination of creative and distribution and you have a very sophisticated marketing funnel, but talk about the creative yeah. piece first and then maybe take us into the tech side. Yeah, so I mean, the great creative starts with, very, with with the clear value proposition. So one of the things that we've done in the company with, with each of our brands is really understand what's important to the consumer and then articulate the value proposition in a way that the consumer can understand. So you, you couple that with you know, the, a digital execution where the, the creative unit for Facebook, for example, is different than YouTube, is different than Google. And so what we really try to do is, is work with with experts in that channel to understand the creative execution so that we're developing creative that really lends itself to that platform. You know, Ron just talked about YouTube and what we did there and, and you know, having something that's engaging, kind of funny, allows you to capture the consumer's uh, attention so you can take them through an educational process. You can com contrast that to Facebook, for example, where Facebook is a very unique ad set where you have a written communication where you can talk about the value proposition and an offer as well as a visual creative execution, whether that be a, a video, is just really understanding for each, each channel and how you maximize uh, creative to be effective and how you engage that consumer is something that we really try to spend a lot of time on early so that as the consumer goes through and touches us you know, online and even, even offline, they're really getting the most out of that, the, the, that medium and that communication. It's, it's such a great point, I think, to pause on. I mean, if, if you're sitting there with a notebook and maybe thinking about some takeaways and how they apply in your own business, I think the kind of older school example might be if you're going to put an ad on HGTV, maybe you should mention, hey, when you're fixing up your home, make sure and pay attention to the mattress. So it's contextualizing that creative and making sure it matches with the channel that you're going to be on. What were, some, right. of those, what were some of those um, tweaks you made to the creative to make them match like a Facebook video or retargeting ads on Google or maybe something like that. 
Yeah, so going back to the YouTube one, we, we cut that video, I think, in, in over 100 different ways to really test in, to understand. And you know, that, in, in that medium, for example, you know, the first five seconds and then the first 30 seconds are really important. So how do you make sure you get the message engaged early on? And so the testing and, and iter iterative process is really important. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, another channel that, that we just talked about, you know, you know, Facebook, they're all constantly coming up with new mediums. And so uh, are you going to add units and, and looking at competitors, not necessarily within your category, but within in other categories that and what are they doing really well? And then how do you transfer that in to, uh, to to your category and take some take those learnings? We do we do a lot of that. So it's, it's very iterative and it's also you know, looking out at the landscape and who's doing a great job with the medium. Who do you yeah, see I mean, out there that's outside of our category that's doing a good job that you tend to consistently pay attention to? Um, I mean, Peloton is doing, I think, a great job of kind of educating yep. the market and teaching everybody, um, hey, you really need one of these in your in your house. I think the company's done exceptionally well, specifically lately where gyms have been closed. But uh, I think they're kind of making it, obviously they don't go in the kind of like in the funny rep route that we do, but it's more in the educational route of, hey, you need one of these for your house. It's going to make you a better person. Um, I, think, I think it's a great company. And even now, uh, Lululemon purchased Mirror and Mirror has really right. amplified its marketing and I think taken yep. a similar tack as Peloton. Um, hey, at home fitness, it's the world we live in. Yep. So you guys, on that note, um, something that Peloton has done is they've kind of gone outside of just the bike thing for fitness and cardio and all of that. And they've kind of expanded to where they have really good yoga classes and there is mm -hmm. a very robust experience for people that buy Peloton products. So now you can take um, uh, or dive a little bit deeper with their brand and go online and discover new things. I bought a Traeger grill. I've noticed they've done that with recipes yeah. and, <clears throat> and things like that. Um, and so with you guys, I've noticed also expanding into other ecosystem opportunities. So it's not just the mattress, right? But you've gone into yeah. other things, so protectors and things like that. Talk to us about kind of the evolution um, of your journey that way in the product way. So start with the mattress and now you've gotten into some of their places and, and maybe kind of give us a little hint on, and, on where you think it's headed. Yeah, so you know, we'll start with mattresses and kind of work out concentric circles. So you know, one of the things that we learned very early on is that you know, within the mattress industry, there are specific product categories. And so you know, we have a multi-brand approach where we have your know, Nectar that focuses on memory foam, uh, Dream Cloud that focuses on, on kind of the hybrid space. And then we also learned that when, the, when a customer is making the purchase decision around a mattress, they're also looking to outfit their whole bedroom. So they've got into the, the, the support products within the bedroom. And then one of the really unique things about uh, you know, a, a digital native company, uh, you know, direct to consumer companies, we, we, we have that relationship. And so we do see a lot of opportunity outside the bedroom to engage consumers as they're furnishing their home, you know, one of the one of the first things you buy when you move into a new home is a mattress. And so while we're you know, laser focused right now on becoming an industry leader within this category, we do see ultimately a lot of opportunity outside the bedroom to continue to engage that consumer and develop a lifetime value relationship. You know, one of the things that we, we go ahead, Ron. No, I think I think just to uh, to Mark's point is that um, 
what what Peloton did is kind of going outside of just the bike itself is that they, they already have a relationship with the customer. What else can they sell? What else can they offer that customer to kind of give a, a full a full package? Yep. Well, that is something that in our category, I've seen some concern over, which is if you run a sleep shop and you're just selling mattresses and even some of the essentials in that ecosystem, your opportunity to really continue to engage a customer is fairly limited compared to, for example, a furniture store or someone with a broader catalog of merchandise that they can re-engage customers and even get some more lifetime value out of them if they have to operate at a loss to acquire that customer. You all know probably this game better than any people on the planet. Talk about that. Talk about acquiring a customer and the, and the expense that goes along with acquiring those customers online and how you then start making money and think about you know, that path to, to profitability and, and uh, extending that relationship with the customer. You want to take this, Ron? Yeah, I mean, so, so, I mean, our business, I mean, unit economics is, is the most important thing. So customer, you, you, you are right. Customer acquisition costs are expensive, but we want to make sure that we're profitable on first purchase uh, with all our purchases because, um, I, I, I mean, my dad told me that if, if, if your business is not profitable, then it probably shouldn't exist. Because uh, if you're if you're losing money on every purchase you make, then what, what are you what are you really doing here? So unit economics is is something very very important for us. So in that sense, um, yeah, uh, customer acquisition cost is expensive, but we figured out our unit economics to make sure we are profitable on every purchase that we make. But as you want to grow the business, as you want to expand, there's there's a big big opportunity in the lifetime value of the customer. And that's where things get interesting, where you can sell them. Can we sell them more sheets? Can we sell them another pillow? Can we sell, sell them another mattress? Then if you start expanding outside the bedroom, can we start selling them a couch? Can we start selling them outdoor furniture? Uh, that's, that's, where, that's where things get really exciting and, and potentially uh, make this a, a ginormous business. Now, you guys uh, talk about building, the unique building. economics. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, as I say, building on, on your question around your specialty sleep shots and how do they think about it, you know, I still like this is a this is a purchase that's really, really, you know, it's complex and I think it's fraught with doubt from the consumer perspective. You know, if you're executing a really strong consumer experience in, in a retail setting, when the consumer goes back to buy another mattress, they're going to come back to you. So I totally agree. There, there's massive lifetime value in terms of how do you take that real customer relationship, whether that be online or offline, and extend it to another purchase. But I still think you know, especially sleep, sleep shots that execute just a really strong you know, kind of consumer-focused uh, uh, engagement model. There, there, there's just there's a, still a, a tremendous amount of opportunity to take that relationship, and whether you're extending it to another purchase or extending it through word of mouth to another purchaser, still, still, it's still a great business. You know, I think that's the opportunity for a lot of people in this mattress industry is they they understand the acquisition side. So they swing the door, they give people in, but what do you do with the relationship, right? So how do you yeah. nurture that? So expanding the sleep ecosystem helps because it's like, okay, you need a new pillow or okay, you need a new, right. whatever that is. So it, it keeps you connected to that consumer, but um, how are you guys able to help? We talked about brick and mortar. How are you able to help your brick and mortar guys understand that differently or maybe help them nurture that brick and mortar relationship differently than what they're doing now. 
Yeah, a, a couple of things that we're doing. So our, our, our you know, kind of first and foremost pro- promise with our retail partners is that we're going to deliver traffic. There's a couple of great examples of where we've signed up a new retailer. We put them on our store locator and they have people coming in asking for the next year before we've been able, been able to even get, get them product. So, you know, what, part of what, what we're going to be is, is a great partner to drive that traffic uh, into the stores for those consumers that um, want, want to touch and feel the product before they make a purchase. And then what we've done is we kind of overlaid additional technology to help the consumer under, uh, to help our retail partners understand that journey. So, you know, we're doing some interesting things in terms of traffic uh, attribution so that we can tell the retailer you know, how many people are we sending in, what does that purchase journey look like? We've opened up our um, digital kind of playbook and we have uh, a co-op program that uses our digital capabilities. So we're, uh, we're, it can be almost like a digital agency for our retail partners. Um, and then ultimately trying to also to make sure that we have great products in that in the store so that we're, we're, eight, we're, we're assisting uh, through just a great product experience, those RSAs. But it's kind of a whole, try to, trying to be a holistic partner for that consumer, starting with traffic, but ending with a great product. Oh yeah, there is no doubt in my mind, Action Funk Music is the official soundtrack of Door Counts. Because Door Counts is all about taking action to get out of that funk. The funk of not knowing. Door counts is the smartest way to count retail traffic and then do something with that traffic and have proof and tie it to sales results. Our friend Luis Lopez actually won the door count system, installed it in one of his stores, saw how well it worked. He went out and purchased the system for all of his other stores. And he said, as soon as that camera went in, boom, difference maker. I knew that. The minute I would install that camera in my store, I was gonna be able to see why people were coming in, where were they coming from. I was gonna make better decisions on my uh, marketing tools. I was gonna make that person accountable to, to show the importance of, uh, to our salesmen of every person that comes through the door and how much it costs us to bring that person in. All of that stuff ties in together and then you know the CRM to follow up with the customers and uh, after they come in the store has elevated our sales incredibly. It's been a couple months that we've had it and I can already see the results. I've seen a 60% growth in our sales for the entire year. Right now on your phone or computer, go to doorcounts.com, book a demo, tell them Dos Marco sent you. So if you're just joining us uh, on, on the live broadcast or if you're listening on mattresspodcast.com or you're uh, podcast app. Um, we're talking with Ron Reske, Eric Hutchinson, the founders of Resident Home Nectar. We're talking mainly about the Nectar brand because this is a mattress podcast. Let's face the facts. Um, and one of the promises we made was we were going to talk about some of those secrets for driving foot traffic to these retail stores. Now, we had a guy that was on the show um, several episodes back named Doug Stevens. And Doug is a retail futurist. And it was one of the hardest hitting podcasts we've done because he looked into his crystal ball and laid out a very dire situation for many people that don't know how to change. Uh, but he also gave us kind of a forecast on uh, real, really treating stores almost like media outlets. And he gave us some great kind of forward looking thoughts. Um, so he's not part of a public company, so he's good to do that. So with that said, one of the things he noted was whenever DTC brands in different categories put physical stores in, in some of the major markets that they served, 
they were seeing a lift in online sales of about 32 to 35%. Talk about what's happening as a combination of your sales whenever you go into a new market and maybe what's happening with retailers. Like give us some perspective because it's, it's a messy purchase journey and people end up doing it in really weird ways that maybe none of us would have predicted. But what are you saying? I think that I'm sure Ron has some, some thoughts. So, you know, when, when we went into retail, we saw an overall lift in, in our business. I, I think there's some, some, a couple stats that, that really kind of articulate this. So kind of through COVID, um, you know, June and July, we had roughly 60% of our doors open, and those were the best two months we've ever had in retail. Now, I think there's a lot going on in terms of consumers investing in sleep and, in, and investing in their home. But part of what we saw was that, you know, the, the, the dollars that we spend online educating the consumers turns into foot traffic. And so, you know, there, there's a, just a really strong relationship there. And, you know, you, you, you hear a lot of quotes around how much, what percentage is online versus offline. What's really happening kind of going back to the consumer is doing a lot of research online, but that there's, you know, just a massive opportunity to have great partnerships between us and the, and, the, and the retailer to kind of complete that overall journey. And, and retail is you know, not just a, uh, you know, a place for people to go to buy, it's for people to go to re research as well. And, and some of those people go online to, to, to complete that journey. So it, it is an entire ecosystem. You know, this, this term omni-channel really does underpin kind of how the consumer is shopping for the, this product. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I'd add here is that, uh, just to add to that, I mean, people really are doing all their research online. I know I've spoken to quite a few uh, retailers saying people are coming in with a lot of notes and spreadsheets and uh, talking about ILDs and really, really sophisticated. And they just did a lot of research online. And when they come into the store, they're, they really want to put that uh, theory to practice and say, oh, I'd like to try this mattress with this ILD and I'd like to try that mattress. And um, I, think, I think that's slightly an exaggeration of, of what most people do. But I think people are really researching. And the reality is, is that no matter how much we tell them, hey, you should just buy a mattress online, people do want to try mattresses in stores. And I, I, I just don't see that going, going away ever because that's something that people are just going to want to do. And so our role in the, in the ecosystem is to go and educate people online because we're really good online marketers and we know how to find the, the people in, in market. And then it's really... We, we, we don't really care. I mean, if you feel comfortable buying online, buy online. If you want to go to the store, let, let's send you to the, to the store. Ron, on that note, um, how, how big does this get? So um, speculate first in terms of how much of the volume being done in the mattress category is being done online. And then where do you think that tops out at? To your point, people are still going to at some point want to feel beds or the certain types of shoppers, right? So how big does the online category get, do you think? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, so I think according to different analysts, they're saying that pre-COVID is roughly 20%. Uh, maybe during COVID it was probably higher, but I think the total uh, mattress sales decreased significantly because I just think less people were buying mattresses. But those that were buying mattresses, most of them were buying it online because stores were physically closed. Um, so does it, is it to 30%, 35, 40%? I, I honestly, I don't know, but uh, regardless, I think an industry of 15, 16 billion, it's, it's a massive industry, both and any way we want to look at it really. 
And part of what we try to do is set up our business to be agnostic to where the consumer ultimately buys so that we can, you know, we, we can be dynamic. Uh, one of the things that we've also done is created an algorithm that scores a consumer when they come to the website to understand whether they're more likely to buy online or offline. And if they're, if they're more likely to buy offline, get them in front of the store locator, get them into the store as quickly as possible so that you know, we, we're kind of aligning the consumer journey with how, how they're ultimately going to want to buy. Um, but yeah, we, we want to we be agnostic because to Ron's point, it, it is really difficult to know what, where the numbers net out. Um, instead of trying to predict that, let's just create a great experience online and offline so that you know, we can, we, our business can grow with, with kind of a changing consumer dynamic. Let's, let's uh, pa- hit the pause button for a moment and let's get real. So Ron, you were born in Israel and grew up in Kenya and my man, Eric Hutchinson, Chattanooga, Tennessee. So Ron, talk yeah. about, talk about you growing up in being born in Israel, growing up in Kenya and then playing professional basketball in Israel and then how you guys cross paths. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's correct. So I was born in Israel and then when we were, when I was four and a half, uh, my parents and my, my brothers and I, we moved to Kenya in Africa. Uh, my dad built infrastructure projects there, roads, uh, the basic stuff, roads, power plants, sugar factories. Um, and so I was there all through school. I went to the American International School there. And uh, I, I, I definitely grew up in a bubble and I was very naive to how the world actually works uh, because I, I just didn't know any better. I mean, I didn't know anything about politics because coming from Israel, the Middle East was a concept to me. I didn't even understand that there was uh, battles going on there. I mean, I understood, I understood the concept. I just I had good friends who were um, from different countries, and I honestly, I didn't really care. Um, I then went to Lafayette College in Pennsylvania, so I studied mechanical engineering there. Uh, In addition, I played basketball for a few years before I got injured, Um, and there I started learning a little bit more about what uh, life was like, and that I actually did grow up in a bubble, and I was naive for, for a long time in my life. Um, and this is, and this to me, why um, diversity and having people from all over the world um, is important at, for us at, at Resident uh, and with Nectar. I mean, we have people in the company, I think, uh, I'm trying to think how many countries we have represented a lot, but def- how many people are, are physically in different countries. I don't know. It's like, I think we have four or five different countries uh, with people physically there. So for me, that was really important. Um, in 2001, uh, 2000, yeah, 2001, I graduated uh, up yet, and then um, I decided to move back to Israel. My family was there, and um, one of the things that you have to do if you want to if you want to uh, live in Israel is you actually have to serve in the army. And because I was over I was over 22 at the time, um, I only had to do six months. And um, I was in touch with a couple of basketball teams, and they said, well during your service, do you, do you want to play? So uh, playing professionally is suggests that you actually got paid, um, which I do. Um, so technically I did not play professionally. I played for, uh, as a volunteer, I guess, I guess you want to call that. Uh, I guess when you, when you do something for, for no money, it's called volunteering. So I played volunteering, <laughs> volunteer basketball. Um, and I did that for a year. I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like a star or anything like that. And then after that, I figured, um, I should, I should move on in my, in my career. Um, I, so I got Ron, 
Yeah. It looks like Eric's a pretty good athlete. Can you take him on the basketball court? I'm just curious. Yes. I, I could, I could <laughs> take Eric on the basketball court. There's no doubt about Eric's, that. Eric's like, hell no, you can't. <laughs> Eric's like, uh, okay, maybe no, so, but I'll Eric, throw out if, you saw, if you saw me standing next to Ron, you would understand that that's not going to be a challenge for uh, Ron to okay. take me on the basketball court. All right. <laughs> I think Eric could beat me in a running race while he's walking, but I think in basketball, I would beat him. How did you guys uh, actually, actually, well, hold on, let's go to Eric. So Eric, you grew up in Chattanooga yep. and you're a mountain biker at which, yeah, we'll, we're, we'll talk more about that because that's my life. And surfer. Yeah. So uh, what was your journey like? And then you tie, put a bow on it for us and tell us how you ended up meeting, meeting Ron. Meeting Ron. Yeah, I can quick on my background. So yeah, I grew up in uh, just outside Chattanooga, Tennessee and in, in, in the mountains just, just around. You know, just a, a great place to grow up. Uh, you know, uh, the outdoors, I, I had virtually unlimited trails five minutes from my house, five minute bike ride from my house. So just grew up in, in the outdoors, um, went to school in Colorado to kind of continue my outdoor pursuits. I raced bikes there, skied, skied probably too much. Um, and then I, you know, I lived abroad, I lived in Spain for a while, actually did my master's degree in Australia. Um, and moved out to the Bay Area um, you know, almost 17 years ago now. Um, uh, worked in finance and then started my first company in the insurance space and then uh, we talked a little bit er earlier, uh, I co-founded Madison Reed and, and the, the women's hair care, hair color space. And uh, Ron and I actually got to know each other when um, uh, he invested in, in uh, the Series B of my last company. So we got to know each other after I left Madison Reed. Um, you know, we you know, decided we wanted to get together and see if we could uh, you know, find another category that would be in a, you know, kind of exciting for us. And, and here we are four years later. So the, the investment was in Madison Reed, that that's how you guys initiated Correct. that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I worked, I worked for a venture capital fund called Norris Venture Partners, and we invested in Madison Reed. Cool, so, so first of all, um, if, if, unless somebody hops in and, and makes an objection, I think we'll be able to open up to some questions from everyone on this call, but we'll get to that in a minute. I just wanna make sure if we're not correcting that, let us know, but. We'll get to that here in a minute, but Quinn, you're going to but, say something. Yeah. Yeah. Before we jump into that, just a question, guys, because I know this is a big part of your model. Maybe we can get my good buddy, old friend, Bob McCarthy in on this one. Um, but as you talk about the omni-channel approach and you've now launched into retail, tell us about some of the challenges with that. Um, I know you're promising traffic to retailers, so that's good. Um, how are you doing on margin? requirement for them and the balance of, hey, but maybe you're not making as much money on us in terms of margin, um, but we're definitely going to bring more traffic to your store. Or are you um, hitting the margin requirements um, perfectly in stride with other guys who may not be doing what you're doing online? Can you talk about the tension of that or how things are progressing for you at brick and mortar? Sure. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a, it's been a journey, right? So when we started, I think Ron talked earlier about unit economics and, you know, we've always wanted to be channel agnostic as to where the consumer was going to buy. And when we started, you know, the margins weren't, they weren't strong. And I know there's retailers probably watching now that are, you know, nodding their head in, in agreement with me. Um, when we started, our margins were around 30 points and, um, one of the promises I made to the retail community was, you know, 
let's see if we can drive some traffic. I believe we can. Um, if somebody comes in looking for our product, please give them a great presentation on it and we'll see what happens. And it turns out we did drive traffic. We did sell some mattresses, but we really only sold them when somebody came in and asked for it. And as we've evolved over the last year, you know, 12 to 15 months, um, we've improved margins, but really moving into our new, our new strategy with a good, better, best for Nectar and for DreamCloud, we've really created products that are going to be much closer to what retailers are expecting for margins, um, you know, 50 points or better, um, and programs that will make the retail sales associates excited about selling our product. So before we delivered on, I look at a successful retail program as something that delivers on traffic, average ticket, and conversion. And we were delivering on traffic without a doubt. Um, we were not delivering on ticket with just the, the base Nectar product. And conversion certainly could have been better. I believe with these new products, um, as well as our new Nectar Move adjustable base, we're going to be able to develop a program for retailers that really delivers on all three of those legs of the stool and will be, would make us much, much stronger in the retail space. So talk about just a little bit more about driving traffic to retailers, independent retailers, regional footprint retailers. What are the dynamics that are happening there? People are going online, they're in the search phase. Like you talked about earlier, they're doing yep. research. They end up on Nectar's site. There's a dealer locator. Somebody finds the address and they come into the store. Is that the 10 cent version of it? Correct. And to put some numbers against that, so we have roughly 150,000 users that come to our, store, our website every day. 2% of them convert. And so there's a significant number of the, those um, consumers that are coming to our website that want to engage through a, a retail experience. And so we have a, a, a store locator, but then what we also do is, we look, as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to understand which users are more likely to buy online versus users looking to buy offline and get them into a purchase journey that's gonna get them into that retailer. So sending an email um, based on IP address so they that so say, hey, here's a store near you where you can go shop for a Nectar mattress I mean, and really try to, to lean into that. Um, and, you know, kind of the, the one other thing I point I make is, you know, we spend, um, you know, this year we'll spend well over $100 million in marketing against driving people into that, that user journey. And again, you couple that with the, you know, the number of people who want to shop offline, it's just a massive amount of traffic um, that's engaged in the mattress purchase journey that ultimately wants to touch a product. I think it's I would a huge amount of money. I would, I would add to that too. I think one of the big differences of what we provide is, you know, we target consumers that are in market for a mattress. So we're sending really qualified traffic into our retailer store. So, you know, if we convert 2%, you know, there's 148,000 people a day in our funnel that, you know, there's a good percentage of those that are saying, geez, I'd really like to try it in a store before I decide to, to make that purchase. Um, and as Eric mentioned earlier, we score those consumers and the ones that are more, have a higher propensity to buy at retail are going to get really the hard push into a, into a retail store. So when they come in, they are ready to buy. And we see from, we talk, in talking to retail sales associates, we hear that when people come in, they are ready to make a purchase, which is, which is a great feeling for us, but also, you know, it's really exciting for the retail sales associate when they see that qualified customer coming in. And really the next generation is we're going to be allowing them to set appointments for, our retail partners on our website. So they'll be getting a notification ahead of time saying that, you know, a consumer is coming in to try a Nectar or a DreamCloud mattress at, at this particular day, at this particular time. 
The, the, the one more thing I'd add here is that I think Bob, Bob and his team have done exceptional job of kind of um, creating a great relationship with the retailers. And that's, and that's what we want to stress here is that we want to be a partner. So if there are things that we could do better, then I think this is, this is what, where we'd like to hear from the retailer and say, hey, we'd really love for you guys to do X, Y, Z. And the good part is, is that we're very technologically savvy. So we can uh, add technology to different things and be, be good technology partners for the retailers. That's great. And guys, those are some impressive numbers. 2% conversion rate. That's big. 150,000 people to your site. That's big. So you're doing something right. There's no doubt. Well, we're here with Eric Hutchins and Ron Rensky, and we want to open it up for questions. So if you're listening to the podcast right now live, um, feel free to jump in the queue. We'd love to talk to you and uh, post up some questions for the founders here of Nectar Mattress. As, what so, are, as we wait on maybe some questions, what are some things that you want to say to people listening to the industry, to retailers, uh, maybe that we haven't asked about? What, what's the message that you want to say? I would say run, that run. I was I was going to say I, I would jump in and just say you know that business is different. I think what you know as we meet retailers that talk to, when we talk to them for the first time, they you know they they look at us as a you know kind of one of those traditional brands, and it's really it's really very different from the traffic that we're able to generate. So you know while our margins are you know closer to where their expectations would be, you know the programs are still a little bit different. We do things a little bit different. Um, our you know our team is very very efficient. Um, we're able to you know we train differently. Um, we suggest uh, you know supply chain a little bit differently. So I think would just be just be open. And the retailers have been really successful with us. Would would concur with that? That you know if you kind of follow the the playbook, that you're going to see some great results and and improve your conversion. Yeah, I mean, the, the, other, the other thing I'd also add is, is just kind of uh, repeating this partnership approach in that we, we do not view this as an online versus online. If you're not buying here, you're not buying there. As we mentioned, 2% is, is impressive, but that means that 98% of the audience didn't buy. Our goal is to really uh, partner with the retailers and send those people over there. Let's be very clear. This is a very, very high intent purchase. Nobody's going into our site and saying, What's the latest Nectar mattress? This isn't like, with all due respect to Nectar, we're not Porsche, right? We're not uh, saying what's what's the latest model of of Nectar versus, I mean, some some car enthusiasts, they go into like cars and they try looking at different models and stuff like that. The intent is extremely high here. And so our goal is really, really is how can we, how can we push more people to, to the stores? What more can we, what more can we do? Guys, I'm going to, put us in the hot seat, all of us at one time, uh, because nobody's posted a single question yet. Maybe that function's turned off. I'm not sure, <laughs> but let's, let's put our heads around something that's happening in our industry that I see is becoming a major problem. There are a litany of scammy, spammy mattress review sites that have are owning and have owned real estate on Google to a very deep degree. And whenever a consumer goes into the buying phase, they want so badly to be told what to do, they're just gonna to listen to almost anybody, especially if you end up on the first page, of even the second page of Google. These mattress review sites are a lot of times run by SEO experts, maybe just some dude 
uh, influencers who know how to put up a review and they know how to drive traffic. I understand that that leads to business for online brands. What it's also doing is almost single-handedly ruining any chance we have as an industry of regaining trust and integrity and connecting the products we sell to the life-changing benefits of better sleep. Take, take us through it because clearly you've used these types of platforms and it's probably made you millions of dollars. And I understand that, um, but it wasn't always evil and it's turned evil. Yeah, I tell a couple of things on that. You know, the, the, the digital ecosystem is, uh, you know, is uh, you know, the promise was the democratization of information. And you know, mattress review sites, I think have, you know, some of them, as you said, through SEO, have kind of owned that real estate and kind of carved that, carved that out. Um, and you know, we, like, like most of the mattress brands, you, know, you can find our products reviewed on mattress review sites. But this is where you know, I think it's, that's one component of that user journey, but getting that consumer offline where a great retail sales associate can engage that consumer. Um, consumer the other thing that I'll say about consumers is they're really smart. You know, consumers, I think, know when they're being when they're being sold and when they're when there's false information, and are and are shocked across different sites. One of the things that we've seen over time is yes, while they own uh, kind of a quarter of the ecosystem, other parts, you will. And I think this is the area where I would, I would point. You know, Google does a really good job of constantly updating their their algorithm to reward those that are posting really good information that's aiding the consumer through their journey, and 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 having negative scores for those that don't. But you're absolutely right. There is kind of a corner of the internet that is bad information um, that we that we're all kind of fighting against. Well, you know, Kinsley's got a great point. I mean, there's a lot of bad actors out there, and the reality yeah. is, when it's clickbait and they say, hey we know the right bed for everybody. If you're a back sleeper, it's crap. It's complete bullshit. <laughs> and it's not a fair representation. I mean, unless you know the person's body type and their weight and any medical history, you can't really make those claims. So I, I think there's a, some of that stuff going on and I'm Absolutely. glad to hear your, your take on it, but. Yeah. I mean, so, so at, at the end of the day, I mean, everything, everything clears out. So you can lie to somebody and say, Hey, this mattress is really going to change your life. But the reality is, is that it's not because all the claims that they made were not true. And every, every, uh, mattress, uh, definitely every online mattress brand, uh, has some kind of return policy. So if the claims were false, the, the person is going to return that mattress. And guess what? That uh, reviewer is actually not going to get the fee because they don't get fees for any, any mattresses that are returned and stuff like that. So you can only lie to somebody for a certain point of time before, before things get called out. And then uh, brands that actually support this type of behavior, they get called out uh, on different social channels as well. So I, I think at the end of the day, these things do get flushed out. Unfortunately, they have but uh, what's, what's interesting about um, social voice and to speak uh, and speak out loud. And so if somebody is doing uh, shady work or not doing what they said that they were going to do, it, get, it gets called out. 
Well, Kinsey, you did something because the uh, question queue has lit up. So let's start with one from Fred Hill. Guys, can you answer this one for us? Do you plan on limiting the retail locations in an area? So if you've got a good nectar retailer that's uh, doing well for you, will you put other uh, nectar retailers in that same trade area or do you have a policy on that? Um, I wouldn't say, I, that one. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't say we have a policy. I think we have to do it. We, we look at population. We look at how many visits are we getting in that particular area. And we also look at our current, you know, retail partners and what are we seeing for, you know, sell through and conversion and how does it compare to the, you know, to the rest of our, our, our doors nationwide. So, and we also have a uh, scoring system through a shopping service that we use to see, you know, how the brand experience is. So there's a number of, there's a number of things we use to determine distribution I can tell you we've said no to a lot of retailers that have that have asked us because it wasn't they didn't want to make the right commitment or it wasn't the right experience or from a you know from a, a price standpoint you know they were they were looking to um, you know really kind of undercut or just not not really try to uphold the the map policy that we have so we've we've tried to be we've tried to put us in a, ourselves in a position where we can send quality traffic to our retailers and the consumers get a quality experience at that same time. Thanks. Appreciate that, Bob. Uh, Matt Wolf says, uh, what is the advice you would give to a smaller retailer that will be competing with the MFIs of the world that will likely get the store locator traffic over the smaller guy? I, so, I mean, the advice I would give them is you know, deliver a phenomenal customer experience and when that customer comes in and, and that customer is going to tell their friend, friends about it. Tremendous opportunity. Oh, that's fine. I, I was going to say similar and I also would say, you know, we have, we also have multiple brands that are on, you know, different levels of the growth trajectory. DreamCloud being one of those brands where I kind of talk about DreamCloud today is where Nectar was a year ago and it's still on that really that big hockey stick of growth and it's a it's a phenomenal product I think is the those of you that go through the virtual market this week you'll see that you know we've really created some beds there in the in the hybrid space that are going to do just phenomenal on a on a retail floor so there's a lot of opportunities to differentiate yourself, still be able to get traffic and, and um, you know, just, just because there's another retailer maybe bigger in volume doesn't mean that that consumer is not going to choose you is where they, where they want to shop. Simple, simply, and we get the sales data back and so we're able to look at that full loop and see who's ultimately buying online versus offline um, with the idea of we constantly want to be Personalized 
eyes and under the microscope, it sounds like, to see who's doing a good job with them. And not. then are you pushing customers to them based on that data? Like, does, do the good actors get more opportunity? Yeah, we, we, we are moving to that. We, when we started, you know, we really didn't have enough distribution to be able to, to, be able to really calculate it out that way. That is the, that is the intent. Um, we're also working on a lot of new data where if we, as we start to get sell through data from our retail partners, um, it allows us to direct our spend more in a particular area. So it's kind of like, I use it as an example, is like a, when you go fishing and you're using your fish finder, when you see fish in the water, you put more bait in the water, so you have a higher propensity to catch a fish. We kind of do the same thing. So as retailers start to see better sell-through and providing a great experience, we're going to tend to spend more marketing dollars in those areas to drive more consumers in that marketplace to our website, which will ultimately drive more to their store. So, yeah, so and then we do use a, a shopping service to make sure that, that it is a good consumer experience when they come in the store. So the answer to Nick's question would be, would be yes. I mean, the, the other thing I'd also add here is that, I mean, we're learning, right? And so it's not that we, we have everything figured out. And this is, I, got, I think I've said it like two or three times already, is that we are looking for partnerships. So what, where could we improve? What aren't we doing on our side that could be, that we could be doing better? Gunner says, how do you balance expenditures for driving lower funnel shoppers, such as people searching for stores near me, things of that nature versus higher funnel shoppers that might be typing in something like best king size mattress or mattress reviews. How do you weigh the values of each? Yeah, this is a great question. So, um, you know, search is you know, in a high-intent high arena where you engage the consumers. And, and we you know, work across both kind of the lower funnel shoppers as well as the higher funnel shoppers. And what we have is we, we have a, a scoring algorithm. So it's what we call a lead scoring algorithm where we're looking all across all these different search terms to understand the relative value so that we know where to deploy those dollars. And so this is you know, part of the engine that we've built. But uh, you know the, the the great thing about search and around those categories is really high intent, and so you know there there's opportunity to engage a, kind of those generic terms, your know, best king mattress, as well as engage consumers kind of store near me. You know, for example, if someone comes in from that from from that uh, search, they're probably more likely to want to go to the store, so let's land them on the store locator. So using some of those search search terms to uh, kind of preemptively dictate the user journey that we're going to take a consumer through. The next year resident. Uh, I'll go first, and then I'd like to hear Bob and Eric as well, and maybe you guys as well. But uh, for me, it's excitement. I'm I'm really excited about kind of where where the company's headed, and uh, I'm I'm just I wake up excited about about the day and where, where we're going. Uh, I'd say uh, growth. If there was one word, like we're we're we we we're still we feel like we basically gotten to the start line over the last three or four years and the, and the next couple of years are going to be uh, you know, growth-oriented uh, years for us. Bob? I, w I would say acceleration. I mean, that's the theme of our virtual market. And, you know, we've really, we've done a lot of testing over the last 18 months to kind of get to where we are to, you know, we're saying, you know, hey, we're 
real mattress. We're a real retail mattress company now where, you know, for the last 18 months, we've kind of been putting a round peg in a square hole where we've developed products, we've developed programs um, that in conjunction with our traffic generation techniques on the digital side um, is really going to create a really uh, unique way for us to accelerate our business, but also accelerate our retailers' businesses. Ginger says, uh, Ron, Eric, what is one thing you would change about your company and what are you most proud of? Let's start with Eric. So I thought it's the first one. You know, we, we, there's constantly things that you'd like to change, but we have kind of a relentless focus on improving our business. And it's kind of a, that, is, that is a journey without a destination. I think what I'm most proud of is the team we've been able to build. You know, I am inspired every day by, by the, the, the team. And, and Ron had mentioned this earlier, you know, that we have a very diverse team, um, diverse in terms of geographic location, diverse in terms of background. And it's just great uh, every day to see that team come together and constantly look at the horizon and say, what can we do better? Um, so yeah, what I'm most proud of is the team we've been able to build. Ron? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I was, I, I wish I was answering that question first because I mean, people constantly <laughs> ask me about what are you really most proud of. I think it's, it's about the team. It's about getting to know the team. For me, uh, personally, getting to know who who all the team members are, what their backgrounds are, what their stories are, what motivates them, what what could we what could we be doing a better job of motivating them or doing a better job of. Uh, I mean, the one thing what we, we change about our company is, I guess, I, I don't know, figure figure all these things out. I mean, we 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 do things all the time. We make mistakes all the time, um, and it's and I think I think what we try to uh, tell everybody is that it's okay to make mistakes. Actually, we have to make mistakes because if we're not making mistakes, we're not moving forward. Um, and so, one thing change. I don't know. I. I it's, it's a tough question, but uh, I, don't, I don't really have an answer to it, unfortunately. Well, you've had some really good answers, so you're off the hook, Ron. <laughs> so I, I just want to say, again, because it's that time for us to wrap this up, Eric and Ron, thank you so much for taking time with Dos Marcos. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't as painful as what you expected a mattress podcast to be, right? I thought it was great. great. I had a really great time. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, we always say, as far as mattress podcasts go, we don't suck. So we feel like we can live up to that uh, whole con comment. But um, you guys are doing a lot of good stuff. You are growing at a very fast rate. Um, we know you're pushing to brick and mortar and you're developing some of those relationships. So the fact that you took time out to talk to us, we appreciate it. Kinsley, before we bounce out of here, my question for you, what's the word for you? As we move as we move into twenty the rest of twenty twenty and in the in the very near future, what's that one word that describes where your head is right now? Relationships, and it goes back to what Ron said. Uh, that's the most important thing to me. It's the most important thing in my personal life. And your days become your life; they add up. And I love spending my days uh, investing in relationships that are you know filled with deep trust and have the potential for, for depth. And I love meeting new people and I love meeting people in this industry. It's, I think we have a great mission uh, behind what we do to truly help people get a better night's sleep, which impacts every moment of your night and your day. And it improves your health and your mood and your looks and your life. And so I think the, the more connected we are in this industry, 
we can do a better job of really getting rid of the dotted line between our products and better health and better sleep and make it a firm connection. So that's why I like spending time doing things like this. What about Great. you? Well, thank you so much for having us on. Well, oh, thanks, you thanks no, guys. Can, and, and Hey, real quickly to every, right. to everyone listening, uh, if you want to hear this episode replay, go to mattresspodcast.com. We'll have it up there in a couple of weeks so you can, so you can re-listen to it and then you can share it out. And uh, Ron, Eric, thank you guys for, for all your time today. And thank you, Bob. Appreciate you being here. Thank you to everybody behind the scenes that helped make this happen. We, we truly appreciate you and uh, hope you all have a great rest of your week. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. You can bounce on it. Oh. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. And I'm hot like a heater Bounce by the ounce Now we got it by the leader Well you take a spring And you wrap it up right You can sleep so smooth Or bounce all night Put two together Get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it Lay back You don't have to practice It's the best thing to happen To your mattress Get together to do it like I did Everybody get hybrid if you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Nothing short of cheap. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of a comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce You'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react Then you can't get low We got that type of bounce That won't spill your Merlot So stick with us And you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle And I'm so supportive is where the magic is And we just killed a song about mattresses, mattresses.